I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about some of the uh, one of the projects that I'm working on, and people are always asking about it, and so I thought I would share some of that with you because I'm I've got some specific ways that the sangha can help. Uh, we had a training here maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and one of our sangha members arranged for it to happen. So Amanda Garcia, who's an attorney, had was is working for the Interfaith Community for Detained Immigrants, ICDI, and it's in Chicago, and she's an attorney for them. And they have a small professional staff, but a lot of volunteers. So they have volunteers for uh, children who are detained and uh, family issues. But one of the things that we have right here in Woodstock, McHenry County Jail is the largest facility that holds uh, detained immigrants. And the detained immigrants are uh, from every country. I, I would say in the world, but I'm not sure if that's true. But they've been picked up because their green card has expired or uh, they have a green card but they get into some kind of trouble or uh, they may have come on, the, you know, somehow their papers aren't accurate. So for whatever reasons, people are picked up and they're, and if you come for asylum from another country, say an African country that's going through a civil war where where people have to escape just to survive. Uh, if you if you enter this com- country and just go up right up to immigrations and say, "I'm here on asyl- for asylum," then you're also put in with the detained immigrants and put in, and all of those people are put in jail because the jails are contracting with the federal government to take the detainees. So in in this in the region where we live, which includes Wisconsin and Illinois and Indiana, and I'm not sure if Ohio's in that, there there are two places in Wisconsin, the Kenosha County Jail and the Dodge County County Jail, that would take uh, detained immigrants. That and so the immigrants that are have been detained might be from anywhere in the country, and they for all kinds of reasons, but they're living anywhere in this country. And for the region then, they either go to Dodge County or Kenosha County, or they go to the jail here in Woodstock, the county jail. And there's one other smaller place in Illinois, smaller and south of Chicago. But Woodstock, the county jail here is the largest, so we have the jail has a contract with uh, ICE, the Immigration Enforcement Division of the, is it the Justice Department? I'm not even sure which. Uh, and they, they have a contract for 250 beds at, at all times with uh, the jail here in our county. And then they can have overflow. Some of the other jails will, you know, they let, they, they only provide rooms if the inmate population is low. But our county jail has, they've built enough uh, room cells that they have a permanent contract with the 
federal government. And so we have the training that I was involved in a couple of years ago was here at Blue Lotus, and it was training people who wanted to be <clears throat> with what, what is called pastoral care volunteers. And as I'm learning more and more about this. So I took that training, and there are some other people here from the, the temple who took it, but uh, we found out in the training that this pastoral care group is the only group of volunteers that can actually go in and see the detainees. And uh, they, we can only do it one day a week. So Tuesday, every Tuesday, we can go into the jails. And it's very controlled. You know, we, we have to work with the schedule at the, the jail. And if there's anything else going on or if there's any kind of a lockdown, we may or may not get to see people. But uh, so some of the other people who wanted to be volunteers couldn't because of their work schedules. If they worked during the day and couldn't shift it around, you know, they, they went, took the training, but they couldn't at that time anyway be volunteers. And that, say, two years ago, they were still looking for, they, they really love it, love people who have more than one language. But they were they were accepting those of us who only speak one language. That's I'm included in that group. But they're now in the last two years, the need has gotten so great that they aren't training new volunteers unless they can definitely speak Spanish. And hopefully, if they found someone with any other language, they they would probably accept them as well. So that the committee, I found out just recently, the Pastoral Care Committee, is made up of some ministers, um, but it's really just people from the community who want to be able to visit with these people and see what their needs are, uh, offer them prayers and blessings, and um, just find out if, there's, if, if they're being taken care of and if... And, mostly to let them know that there are people who care about them. They, most of the people who have been detained don't get a lot of family visits. And um, that's because their families are scattered maybe somewhere very far away. And they often will move these, the detainees around. So sometimes their families aren't quite sure where they are. So um, they don't have other visitors who can come and see them. So the, the way the pastoral care group was started back in 2008, there were a couple of nuns, Catholic nuns, who, uh, the Catholic nuns are amazing. I'm discovering that, that more and more I, I find out the things they do. You know, that we, I just call all of these this type of nun, the nuns on the bus. And this, the person telling me said, oh, and these two were also on the bus for a while. So they, they felt like the, the detained immigrants in 2008, they felt that they needed to have more, uh, they needed to have more visitors. And it's not, you know, it's not good for you psychologically to be that isolated because they're in the regular, they're in their, you know, pod, which may have, two people in a cell, and then a day room. So there may be, I guess, 20 to 40 people in a pod, but uh, 
and they may be sharing a cell with someone, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they can speak the same language or that you have anything in common. So the two nuns thought, well, no, we need to have people able to go in and just talk and maybe give them books or if they want us to call a family member. And so they, through a lot of red tape and a lot of difficulty, got this program set up. And I didn't realize it wasn't just a commonplace thing because the detainees don't have the same civil rights as prisoners do because prisoners are all U.S. citizens, most of them. So they, they don't have the right to have different classes and lots of visits, and um, this was a really important move. So there are people from the community who just feel, well, there are people from this community and some of the people go, they may go to Kenosha, they may go into, they have, we have a group that's called the Court Watch Group. So if someone's going for a, a, a court appearance in Chicago, they can ask to have volunteers just come and be, be there in the courtroom just to see, almost as a silent witness. So we go Every Tuesday, I go once a month, and every week we have a different group of volunteers who goes in and we spend about uh, five hours in the jail and may see five or six, six, usually six groups of people. And they're, they're always, uh, they, they never seem to have a lack of people wanting to come. Because you can imagine if you'd been in a county jail for maybe six months, some have been in much longer, but say maybe an average of three to six months when we start seeing people. Um, they're kind of eager for any kind of company they can get, even if it's in broken English. And it's amazing how many languages the detainees speak. So from app, we have a lot of African, the, uh, Africans, many of them speak French and some English. And many people in Latin America speak English and Spanish. And most of the people we see from Mexico have lived in this country all their lives, maybe came when they were under two years old with their parents. So they've gone to school here. Their English is as good as yours or mine. But we're seeing people from countries all over the world, so from China, from Russia. Uh, there was the only person I've seen there who didn't speak a single word of English was last week, and the man spoke. He, he was from Georgia, the Republic of Georgia. And he, he couldn't speak English, and he didn't speak Russian. And so there are two Russian men who've been in the group for a while, but they couldn't even communicate much with the man from Georgia. So the, the volunteer who was talking to him, of course, couldn't speak Georgian, but they had some material for uh, talking to someone who doesn't speak English, almost like a book with pictures in it. So you could maybe talk about, uh, you, can, you can come up with conversation around some issues that might be important to them just using pictures and pointing at things. 
So sometimes we don't even have the resources of a common language in the room. And then at the end of each group, we say a prayer together. And so we always do the the, the, the men and women are men and women are separated. So uh, we hand out uh, at the end of the time we're together, and it seems like a very short time because there are lots of questions and lots of things that people want to talk about because they're concerned about their their families. So they're concerned about their children and they're. They're, they'll, they'll be open about what they're worried about and what, they're, what they've had on their minds and what they feel they need. Uh, they never ask for anything for themselves. And they're very stoic about their experiences. But they're always concerned about how their families are doing. And maybe their wife and their children have had to move back in with a parent. Uh, and that's always stressful. And they're, they're always so grateful their parents have been able to do that. But they also hear when they get a telephone call that it's, that's stressful to have two or three families in one house. And uh, very difficult to find attorneys. And we don't deal with them on any of the legal issues. But they're always, often, uh, they're con- you know, on their minds are things like... Uh, court dates or they thought they were supposed to see an attorney and they haven't seen one and they're not sure about court dates or they haven't gotten information they've been waiting for and some have uh, been waiting maybe for months even after they've told well you've got a you'll have a release date or we're going to send you back to your country and then they still sit and wait in the jails often for a very long time um, and when they say sending somebody back to their own country, so many of the men and women I talk to say so they, they, I'll always ask them, do you have any family? Uh, one man just got sent back, or he may, he may still be there, but he's waiting to be sent back to Burma. But he came when he was a baby, and his, his birth father lives in Burma, but he's never met him, never seen him. So he knew he was being sent back, and you know he had a he uh, he wrote a beautiful letter and thanked the pastoral care group. But in his letter he said, "Well, he'll he's he has to find his father first in Burma, and he thinks he lives way up in the north, up in the mountains. So he's gonna uh, his plan when he told me he's gonna get jobs and work for a while." Wherever he like, wherever the plane takes him, he'll he'll get a job and work, and then when he saves up enough money, he'll start like riding a bus up to where he thinks his father lives, and he'll he maybe he'll go on the bus for a while, and then he'll stop and work in an area, and he's never been in Burma, so this is he's he, but he has a plan. His plan is developed. And then he'll work, he'll work and make some money to go a little bit further. And eventually he'll get up where his father is and he thinks his father has a farm. And in the letter he wrote to us, thanking everyone for their kindness, he said, uh, he talked about how much he'd learned from the people who care about the detainees. And he said, so I'll work for my father on his farm for 20 years. And then I'll be able to uh, have some time. I'll start teaching people 
in the village, I'll start helping them with their English, and I'll start helping them, you know, learn, be, uh, encourage them to get more education, and he could be, so he's got a plan, he's thinking like 30 years in the future, and he's a, he's a young man, but he, he's, he's going back, he, he knew that it was uh, inevitable, and he did everything he could to try and stay, but uh, so that's those are the people we're seeing all the time, and people have been a lot. Some of the volunteers were with the original group that the nuns started and got into the jails, and they've they've they meet the people and they've been doing this with I mean filled with compassion because. It's, there's nothing but uh, one heartbreaking story after another because every one of the people we see has a family and they usually have children. Uh, one younger man, uh, they're telling him he's going to probably be deported back to Mexico and he says, I don't, I've never been to Mexico and he's got a child in this country and uh, he and his he and the wife of the child are not in a relationship now. They were together and they're not now. So he knows if he's deported back to Mexico, he's he's likely to never have contact with his child again. And it, it's breaking his heart every single day thinking about that. And so some of the younger men we see came over as babies, they would be in the DACA, they would be eligible as DACA uh, kids, but some of them have dropped out of school, they've gotten in trouble, and there is that uh, the percentage of people who have uh, gone to prison or been in trouble and been on pr probated sentences. Or some a lot of times people are picked up just because they maybe ran a red light and got a stop for a parking ticket and then were detained. But a lot of the people who have gone to prison, and that automatically uh, wipes out their green card or any, any of the permission they have to be here. As soon as they get out of prison after they've served their term, there are people waiting for, it, the case is either there are people waiting for them when they walk out of the door of the prison and take them directly to another, to a jail. And some of them have been in jail for a couple of years, so it's a few years maybe beyond a five, six year prison term. And others have gotten out of prison and gotten back together with their families, gotten a job, uh, gotten involved in the community again, and then somebody knocks on their door one day and just kind of randomly says, you know, we've been, we've, we've, we've been watching you since you were, went in prison and now we're picking you up today. So it's all kinds of levels of, uh, you can imagine the stress their families feel and that they feel for their families. They're, I'm sure they're rarely prepared for this. <laughs> And the outcome is so unknown. And so uh, what I've discovered about the work is, is that the more, other, the more people know about it and the more involved other people can get, we, it's like we can share the compat. These are people who 
well, they, they, well, you can almost not have compassion for them because you can think if you were, if somebody just came in here, there's one uh, man who's a minister who I talked to, and he was in a, in his church, he was a preacher, and he was in his church having a, like a board meeting, and the, and he was picked up. Just they came into the church and uh, told him he was being detained. So, you know, these are people just like us. When we think about our, our loving kindness practice, these are people who are, they are exactly like us, but they've had situations where their parents or themselves have you know, felt that they could, weren't safe in the country that they lived in, and they've come here legally, or sometimes not legally, but most of the time they've come legally. But then something's happened with their green card, or they've extended a, a they maybe have extended a student visa, or they've extended a, a a visa and they didn't even realize it, or they've missed a court date and didn't realize it. So it's, I always, I think through this experience for me, it's, it's, it's helped me develop real compassion because I can see, I, I see most of the people I meet and I think, I don't know if I could handle it the way they are. A lot of the a lot of people will say, "Well, you know, we can't just we can't wake up angry every day," and so they they'll say, "You know, one guy said I've read more books since I've been in here than I probably did all through school," and they'll talk about uh, people they've met from other countries, and they all seem to help each other, but they're treated like prisoners, so they 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 are they don't have uh, a lot of opportunities to to do other things. At, the, at this particular jail, they never go outside. They, they never get to go outside. So maybe they've been in jail for a year or more and they've never been out, they haven't been outside. And if they, unless it's their first or their last court date, they even do their court appearances over the video cameras. So they don't even get to ride a van to Chicago. So they really miss the sunshine, and they miss being out out of doors. So a lot of them have said that's the, that gets depressing when they're worried about their families and they're in a, a strange place, and that it's uh, the lack of sunshine and the lack of fresh air just kind of makes things kind of come down around their heads. So I'm sharing this with you because I've been collecting books and I'm looking, I'm, I'm always trying to come up with ideas for uh, what, what I can bring. They, we always have a donation table where different religions have put uh, brochures or pamphlets. And we, as Buddhists, we don't have many things like that. So I've put uh, some of our uh, the, the little booklet that we have when we have Buddha Day, I've taken staples out of that and that had that because of the stories in it. And um, But I'm always envious of the, like all the other religions have brochures and they have this kind of cool stuff. Or little daily word uh, pamphlets, you know, that you, you probably 
know the like the little monthly guideposts, things like that. And the best thing of all that the Catholics have are the prayer cards, the holy cards. So they have the beautiful colors and have a a saint on one side and on the other side there's a, a verse or a quote. Um, those are very popular. So I've been talking to some people on the SEVA committee, and I, the first time I talked to a few people, it turned out they had grown up as Catholics, and both of them had, and even now, uh, they collect those prayer cards, the holy cards, because they grew up with them, and they were kind of fascinated. And then even now, as, a, as retired adults, they still have their collections. So they were so excited about helping make Buddhist holy cards. And they have, and, and, uh, when I was talking to the head of the volunteer group a few days ago, she was telling me, because she wants to take any kind of Buddhist material to all of the, the, uh, jails where the detainees are in the entire region, because she doesn't have another Buddhist who's a volunteer. And so they don't have any uh, Buddhist literature. So it's it's my mission now to per, to get enough stuff to provide all of these uh, county jails. We have about we have 250 beds in in uh, here in McHenry County, and then Dodge and Kenosha only have like 150, and maybe one has 200. So we're by far McHenry is the largest jail. And then the other one is a, a smaller place. But um, my charge to all of you then is if, you have, if you're creative, if you have any good ideas about uh, material, and what she said is really she, her vision and what she sees that people, because a lot of times they may not speak English or write or read English very well, but she said something with a beautiful picture, like a, a, a peaceful, calming picture, because they have nothing in their, their, uh, their cells, and they just have a little, like a two-foot ledge where they can put things. That's all they have. And almost all of them will put uh, something they get in that room that we put out. So they all have their holy cards, whether they're Catholic or not because they're beautiful images. And, and uh, one of the books I have a bunch of now is Bhante Sujata's Empty, Empty, Happy, Happy book, because the one man uh, from Burma said that one of the sheriff's deputies had given him that book to read. And, and I found out later he's passed that book to a lot of other people in, in, who are detainees. But he said... There's that one book, and it has a picture of a monk on it. And he didn't know that he didn't know that I was here, and Bhante Sujata was here. He said that monk has a. Uh, there's a monk on the cover or the back where he's he's dip, he's dipping his hands in water, and the water's running through his hands. And he had he said he looks so peaceful that I put I I want I really would love to have. I had, he said, I have to pass that book on to other people, but I would love a picture of that man. I love to see it because he looks so peaceful and so happy. And he's just, you know, he's out in nature and he's in a stream. And so 
Bhante Sujata gave me a bunch of bunch of those to take. But it doesn't have to be Bhante Sujata's picture, but that really people responded to that so much because what they saw was serenity and they saw happiness and he was in the outdoors. So the head of the volunteers said if we could develop something that had uh, a beautiful color picture, because their lives are dreary right now, and maybe uh, just a little inspiring message or a short inspiring story. I thought about you because you love inspiring stories. Bhante Asaji loves to read inspiring things. So, But she said then they have something to look at so they get that visual message and then they have something short with beautiful words. And she said people like Martin Luther King are also very, uh, they love stories about Martin Luther King or uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, uh, but they, they appreciate any, anything that's, that they can see as spiritual to whatever, whatever faith they grew up in. I think a lot of the people going through this experience, maybe they're, they're coming back to a faith or they're developing a spiritual life that they never made time for before. I've had so many say, I won't take that for granted when I'm out of here. Whatever happens, I'll make more time for my family, I'll appreciate everything I have, and I'll, I'll continue having a spiritual life. I'll pray, I'll meditate, I'll, be, I'll spend more time quietly. So they're finding the, the, the positive part of their experience. So if any of you have great ideas, or you have some, even if, even if you can just, uh, if you see an image that you think is really great, then you can track it down or, or bring in a picture. I can, you can put it in the office uh, and leave it for me. But uh, most of all, and there have been several people here who have approached me about this, there's a, all the, we always ask them, is there, who, was there anyone you'd like us to pray for or send, I'll always say, send good thoughts to? And they always ask us if we, that they want their families, their wives, their children, you know, people helping them. And they'll say it and pray for, for all of the volunteers like you. And then I always say, and can we pray for you too? And, and they kind of forget that. They're more worried about other people. But I found out this week, too, that we, I asked her, how can we be included in the, uh, the, the prayers? Because we don't necessarily pray, although we certainly can as Buddhists, but we can, we can certainly think of them when we practice loving-kindness, and we can send them those good wishes which are like blessings. And we can pray. And she said, oh yeah, I'll put you on the list. So they're apparently, they have like 65 churches that get the list of the people who have asked for prayers every single week. And that, though, and that there are people who are dedicated to including all those people. Some way they've come up with an idea of how they do it in their church. So I'd like, if you have an idea of how we can do that here, and uh, 
or if you want to, maybe people would like to, people might want to just say, could you send me the list each week? And I'll include them. You could include them in your, in your practice at home. Or if people wanted to, we could include them when we do loving kindness here. So uh, all of you are creative people, but you, could, you can help me by giving me some ideas for that. I have the holy card, holy cards, other than the images, I, I've got the people who will produce it. But um, So that's, where, that's what I've been doing. And uh, right now there are so many ways to help that don't, Necess- that I don't think we can get too many more people into the jails unless you speak Spanish or any other different language. But there's certainly ways that you can help um, just by knowing about it, because a lot of people don't know this is happening, that we have detainees here in Woodstock. So just keep them in your thoughts, in your prayers, and in your loving-kindness practice. Just all of the detainees that are being held, waiting for our country to, you know, let them stay in or send them back. The problem is almost none of them, most of them can't go back. Some of them would be arrested or killed when they, if they, when they get off a plane, and some of them would have no family and they don't speak the language. Uh, and for, for some of them, that they, they're leaving their families behind. So it's not, it's not easy for any of them. So thank you very much for listening to me.